0: Thank you for coming. Good evening. Tonight's Shia was co sponsored in honor of the Yard site, which was today, of Eliezer ben Avraham. His Neshama have a great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he channel lots of brachas to his children and to his family. Much bracha, much mazel, much light. Only, only, only good things forever and ever and ever in the material and in the spiritual. Thank you for that dedication. Um. Yep. That's that. Um. So this week is an exciting parsha. It's got so many mitzvahs, and let's open it up. We open up the parsha and expose its inner light, that we what we merit to have only before Mashiach comes. We merit to see so much light, so much insight, so much energy in the in the what, what what seems to be technical or perhaps just dry halacha, we suddenly see such a godly light that's a sign that uh, it's a time for Torah hadasha for the new light of mashiach that's coming to the world that we get to see all this insight in any case in in the fifth aliyah of Pasha's kisseitzei the fifth aliyah chamishi there is, a pasuk, reads as follows. This is in chapter 23, Parakhov Gimel, Pasuk Chav he. It's It says like this, let me read it first from inside. We'll read two psukim, two verses. Verse 25 and 26, Pasuk Chav Hei and Pasuk Chav Vav. It says, bekerem reyach, When you will come into the vineyard of your fellow. So you will come into your, someone else's, fellow man's vineyard. V'chaltah novim, you can eat grapes, kenav till satisfaction. Kenav as you desire, or actually means as you desire, savecha, until you are satiated, until you feel full. but do not put it into your vessels. Do not put it into your, uh, you know, you're, not,
1: you're,
0: not, you're not allowed to take for later, but you're allowed to eat. That's one verse. Next pasuk. when you will come, bakam asrayacha, you will come into the field of your fellow with a standing grain. Finished grains, the grains have grown. the so you can pick kernels. You're allowed to pick kernels. with your hand. And eat them. but a sickle, Loisan, if you may not raise up on the standing grain of your friend. That means you can take, you can eat, you can't hoard, you can't take a lot. That means you can't cut away the sickle. You can pick and eat, both in the grapes, in the vineyard of your fellow, and in his field reading the Pasuk, it almost seems we have a right to walk into anybody's field and have lunch. Or at least a decent, satisfying snack. But it's not this way. So Rashi right away says to us, when we read, when you come into your friend's vineyard, this is specifically talking, Bepoyel Medaber. The Pasuk is talking about a worker, a hired worker, an employee, so the employee is coming into the field, and why was he employed to do the harvesting? So it's not just anybody walking to someone else's field. An employee who is working for his employer, and uh, so in addition to the payment that he will get for his work that he's doing, he's allowed to eat from the from the uh, harvest that he is harvesting. While he's working, he's allowed to eat the grapes or he's allowed to pick kernels. But he can't put it into his own you know, basket and take it home with him. Special uh, permission that is given to him, that the Torah entitles him to eat while he's working. That's the mitzvah. You're allowed to eat while you're working in your fellow's field. You're allowed to eat. So in both these cases... Rashi says it in the first case, kisavoy Rashi says, the verse is speaking about a worker, and it says it also in the next Pasuk, when it speaks about kisavoy bekamas Rayacha, Rashi says, afzu, this as well, b'poyol is talking about a worker. So the first question I want to present is the, the order in the Pasuk seems strange. What would be, seem to be more likely that a person would have permission as a worker to eat in his fellow's field? I would think it makes more sense that basic food that you need for, to, for living, basic uh, nutrition, that you can eat. If it's just a, a, a delightful snack, who says, we per, who says that's permitted? something that's called pleasure eating. There is necessity, eating for necessity, and then there is pleasure eating. Grains are a necessity. A person eats grains, that's a must. Grains is... is, I mean, obviously in this case, when you're walking into someone else's field and you're picking kernels, I mean, I guess the nutritional value you'll get even just by... I mean, who's going to eat raw kernels? I don't think... uh, uh, uh you know unless he, he kind of roasts them he has a little he has a little uh, lighter with him and he roasts the kernels as he's popping the kernels. I'm not exactly sure the technical element of eating raw kernels, but we can understand that eating that eating that kind of food is a necessity food. Going into the vineyard of your fellow chapter 23. Verse twenty-five and twenty-six, perek chav gimel, pasuk chav and Chavov. That's what we're holding. So, um, eating vineyards. So again, twenty-three, perek chav gimel. I don't know what page it is on, but I, if you look in pashas Kiseitse, so it's in it's in perek chav gimel, chapter twenty-three. You'll see it on the top over there. Which chapters? You look inside the chumash, you'll find it. Look for chapter twenty-three. Oh, in Devarim, of course. In the you have a full chumash there in the last part of Chumash, in Devarim. There you go. Find chapter 23, Pasach 25 and 26. Okay. So it makes more sense that you're permitted that you're permitted to eat um, grains, which are necessity kind of an eating, necessary eating, than eating pleasure food. So if that would be the case, the Torah should have started with a person working in the grain fields of his fellow. And then it should say that this permission is not only in a grain field, but it is even granted when you're working in someone's vineyard. So even if it's not necessary, you don't have to eat the grapes. It's just a delightful type of a food. Yet you're allowed to do so. Okay, that's the halach. Now as I mentioned earlier, Rashi says that this is restricted, even though the Pasek doesn't say it explicitly, we're not talking about anybody going into anybody's field and eating. This is talking specifically about an employee who's harvesting. Fine. How do we know that? Where do we, where do we derive that this Pasek, it doesn't say it anywhere in the Pasek, where do we derive that it's, that it's only a worker? Maybe permission is granted for anybody to walk into anybody's field and eat, as long as you're not putting it into your vessels. We find that concept, Shemitah, in the Shemitah year, anybody's allowed to go into anybody else's. Maybe this is permission that we have. How do we know it's only by a worker? So there are three sources. The Babylonian Talmud gives one explanation from where we derive it, the Talmud Bavli. The Jerusalem Talmud, the Talmud Yerushalmi, gives another source from where we know it's restricted only to a worker. And Maimonides gives a third, a third source that this is only by a worker. Let's go, three, let's go through the three sources from where we know it. The, uh, the uh, Babylonian Talmud, Talmud Bavli, this is Mesechtas Bab-Metziah, tractate Bab-Metziah, daf, Zayan Amad Beis. The Gemara derives it from the word Ki Savo, when you will come. It says when you will come into someone's field. So the Gemara does what's called a limud, it's called Gezei Roshava. Gezei Roshava means you compare two words, one to the other, and from the comparison of the two words, we can derive laws. So the Gemara says like this, over here it says when you will come into your field, f- for friends' uh, for vineyard. Elsewhere, it says, That when you have a worker, it uses the same word, "tavo." But what is it talking about over there? In which, in which, in which context? It's talking about when you hire a worker, you have to pay. It's also this week's parsha. It's also parsha's kisayitze. That when you hire a worker you need to pay his wages, his or her wages, on the very day that they worked for you. You have that very day. I mean, the Torah gives you one period to pay them. There's no delayed wages. You have to pay the person. If they work during the day, you have to pay them that evening, that night, the night following. If they work the nighttime job, you have to pay them the next day. Again, these, you have to find out exactly what this applies. This doesn't apply in every case. In those areas, if the series, if a guy was hired for a year's job or something like that. It, again, it's not, this is not always that every day you have to pay your worker. But this is the, the concept of paying your worker on the day that the person worked. Okay. So over there it says, <laughs> The sun should not set before you pay them. Make sure. So it uses the word tavo. And over here it also says, Kisavo, when you will come. Even though there it's talking about the sun setting, and here it's talking about you're walking into your friend's field. But the same word appears twice, and this is one of the ways Torah Hash, Moshe Moshe heard from God. We can derive certain Torah Torah laws or interpret the Torah based on one of the ways called Gezerah Shavah. Now we can't make this up. This has to be handed down from uh, from Moshe Rabbeinu and so on and so forth. How do, when we say these things, can the rabbis had the tradition? But Al him from from this is that it says over here, savo, and there it says savo. So the Gemara says, just like in tavo over there, it's talking about a worker. It's talking about, because there we're talking about workers' wages. They have to pay it before the sun sets. But it's talking about a worker. So we take the context of the word tavo, which means by a worker, and the same thing applies over here. that in this case, It's not a license for every person to walk into someone else's field or granary and to help themselves to eat. It's talking only an employee who's working there. Okay. That's how the Talmud Bavli, the Babylonian Talmud, knows this halacha. Again, we derive it from the worker that you have to pay their wages. Fine. The Jerusalem Talmud has another limud for this. This is a Yerushalmi in Mesechtis Maisreis. Okay, in Tractate Miser, there's a certain tractate that, that deals with tithing, Miserys. Right? So over there, in which exactly where it is, in uh, Parik Bez Halach So over there, the Yerushalmi learns it out as follows. From the end, from our verse, the Yerushalmi learns it out, the Jerusalem Talmud learns it out from our verse. In other words, the Jerusalem Talmud is not deriving it from a different halacha. It's not deriving it from another law, from another mitzvah. It's extrapolating it from this mitzvah itself, but from what it says in the end of the pasuk. What does it say in the end of the verse? It says, "When you come into your friend's vineyard, you could eat as much as you're totally you're satisfied, but the elkel yachad loisitein do not." drop it into your own into your own bucket into your own basket don't put it into your own vessel from the words into your vessel you shouldn't put the grapes don't put it into your vessel to take it home for later we derive that in your vessel you shouldn't put it but you're putting it into the vessel of the owner you're putting it into your friend's vessel now why what does it mean you're putting it into his containers Ah, must be you're working for him. That's why you're putting in into. In other words, you can't put it into your own containers, but you're allowed to put it into your friend's container. Not you're allowed to. We're talking at the time that you're putting it into your friend's containers. Why? Because you're a worker. So th- at the same time, um, you shouldn't put it into your containers, but you're allowed to eat uh, one by one. You're allowed to eat uh, grapes. Okay, so that's where we derive it, and the Jerusalem Talmud continues. In the next case, when it's talking about you're going into a granary, in the next Pasuk, Pasuk Chavav, talking about a granary, over there as well we know it's talking about a worker, and from where do we derive it from? From the end of the Pasuk. What does it say in the end of the Pasuk? It says, the Hermes and a sickle if you should not raise. From this that it says you now ought to raise the sickle while you're taking for yourself, while you're gnashing. While you're gnashing for yourself, you can't raise the sickle to cut. So it must be talking in a case where you're carrying a sickle. Now what in the world are you doing in your friend's field carrying a sickle? A sickle is, a, is, a, is, the, is the type of knife that is used, uh, the cutting, the, the type of uh, whatever that is used to cut grain. So it's telling you that what? That you now use a sickle is a sign that we're dealing with in a case where you're holding a sickle. You're in your fellow friend's field and you would think you are allowed to raise a sickle because you are doing that. Because you're chopping the grain. Because you are the worker who's harvesting the grain. And over there we're saying, you can't chop grain for yourself. So again, according to Yerushalmi, it's derived from the latter half of the pasuk. So again, Babylonian Talmud has to come on to a different mitzvah. We derive it from the pay, the, the workers' wages that you pay, and we use a xayrashava, the same word he's mentioned here. And word is mentioned over there. According to Yerushalmi, we learn it from the, the 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 end of the pasuk. And here's the third one. The Rambam in his laws of um Mishneh Torah. The Rambam over here in the laws of schirus. The Rambam has the work of a, it has a whole uh, set of laws applying to a hired worker. So the Rambam says in Perek Shnei of the 12th Perek, um, he, he, he says that, uh, that a worker is allowed to eat. Shnei Mar, as it says, he brings the Pasuk in Alif. Ha'alif, Kisavai Bekerim Re'echa, when you will come into your friend's field, Kisavai Bekerim I'm sorry, in your friend's vineyard, when you'll come into your friend's standing granary, now we heard, we have a tradition, tradition that this is talking only by an employee. And the ramam gives his own reasoning that doesn't stay not in Yerushalmi and not in Bavli. What does Ramam say? Because, because if he didn't hire him, Who gives him even a right to trespass? When you will walk in there, what's your business doing there? You're not going to walk into someone else's field. It's their place. So the very fact that you're allowed to trespass into their place is a sign that you're you're, you're invited there. You were called. You're a worker. You have a right to be there. That's how he knows it. When you're going, when you're permitted to go, fine. So Rambam doesn't even need to come on to the end of the Pasuk. And he doesn't have to find the source comparing it to another place. But from the very idea itself, when you're reading the passage, Kisavai, when you will come, what are you doing there? You're doing there because you're allowed to. Why you are allowed to? Because you're a worker. Fine. Rashi, who, now what is Rashi's opinion? Rashi just says it's talking about a worker and Rashi doesn't give any source. Rashi's talking about a worker. Without any source, how do we know? So, it seems like Rashi learns like the Rambam. That the reason why, how do we know that it's talking about a worker? Because it's self-evident. Why? Because if Rashi would have understood it like the Bavali, like the Jerusalem, like the Bavali that we're talking, that we derive it from, comparing it to somewhere else, Rashi would have brought it. it doesn't bring one, Rashi doesn't bring Exeroshav at all, it doesn't give you a hint to it. If Rashi is at least thinking you're going to learn it out from the end of the Pasuk, where it says you're now let to lift the sickle or don't put it into your vessels, you don't put it into your containers, from there we know that you're allowed to, then Rashi should have at least hinted to with the word the Vigomer. Whenever Rashi wants you to read the rest of the Pasuk, whenever he's giving a comment and he's expecting you to read the whole verse, he writes the words and he writes Vigomer. Vigomer means and, etc. And the and the rest of the Pasuk. Since Rashi doesn't write the Goymer and the rest of the puzzle is a sign that from the words itself, Kisavai Rashi derives it. That would seem like Rashi is of the very much leaning to what the Ramam is saying. Same idea, even though Rashi lived before the Ramam, but the same idea that the reason why um, um, from where do we derive it, it's simple, because it says Kisavai, and what are you doing there if you're not a worker? Fine. Very good. So based on what we just said, it would seem like these three have an argument just from where we derive it. But when we look a little deeper, first halachically, and then we're going to get to, to something very, very powerful regarding to our lives in general, and uh, all the guaranteed good that we're guaranteed in our lives in general, and also particularly the time that we're living in right now as we are entering into Mashiach's days. This is very exciting. But first let's break the halacha down a little better, and once we understand it from its more essential halachic element, then we'll figure out what what how this impacts each and every one of us personally in our lives. So, um, these three-way argument of understanding the idea of a worker being allowed to eat during the work, from where we know it's only talking about employee, is not just from where we derive it, but well, it's possible to say that these Deriving it from here Or deriving it from there Or deriving it from a third place Is actually characterizing The nature of this law Because one can understand This mitzvah in three ways You can understand What's the idea behind How do we characterize What's the halachic definition Or or of this mitzvah What is it really all about And we can see it in one of three ways. You see, we're talking about an employee, okay, a a worker. When we're saying the worker has a right to eat, it can be we 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 can see it as one of three things. Either it's related to the 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 uh, the uh, the worker the work, not the work the production the worker has produced something it's related to what the worker produces or it's related to the work the work itself the labor let's say it this way it can be connected to the production or it can be related to the labor or it can be related to the laborer, the worker. In Hebrew, a worker is called a poel. A poel means a worker. Now, those who follow we'll know a little bit in Diktuk, there is Poel, the worker. Then there is the Pa'ula, which is the work they're doing, the actual labor, the work. And then there is the nifal, that which they accomplished, that which was that which they produced. So we can define this gnashing, the gnashing of the worker as one of these, why is it coming to him? What's the basis of his right to it? Is it because of what he produces for the owner? Let's step back a minute. An owner, a person pays a worker when, you, when you're paying your worker Your main business in paying the worker is because you benefited That's the payment Now of course in a case where a worker worked And for whatever reason the, the work didn't t- t- turn out well But you hired him for the day You probably still have to pay him Again, we'll go into all kinds of questions But the main idea of a payment for someone who worked for you Is because of the pro... I mean, you're not hiring a guy to work for you and just to labor it's because you want the production, whatever it is that they're going to produce. So ordinary payment is for what they have produced. Your gain, the employee, the employer's gain from the worker, is what they're paying for. Okay? That which I've gained from you. So we can say, that in addition to my payment that I pay you for the general gain that I've gotten, and that comes at the end, I don't have to pay you until your work is done, then I have my benefit, and then I pay you, right? But we'll say that the Torah says, in addition to the payment that you give for the benefit that you've got after the work is done, you also, the worker is entitled for the production that he's producing for you. Again, for the work that he's doing, not the labor, but for the work that he's getting done, he's entitled for another form of payment. What's the other form of payment? That during the work he can snack. Okay, that's another form of payment for the work, for the production, for the work that he did for you, for the gain that you gained. That's one way of looking at it. It's payment for the for the production. Okay, that's now number number another way of looking at it is that it's not this particular payment is not for what he produced, but the mere fact that he's putting it that he's working. It's for the labor. The, 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 because he's laboring and he's working, you know, unrelated to if anything is going to come out of it, the fact that he's exerting himself, and he is working, that itself deserves that he should get, while he's extending that work, one, while, while he's standing in the in the sun-baked field, and it's hot, and it's scorching hot, and he's walking, and he thinks, so... As a payment for that labor, you have to give him, yeah, you have to allow him to eat. He's allowed to eat. So it's a reward, but not for the production, but for the work. That's called the pa'ula, the work itself. And then there's a third way of looking at it. It has nothing to do neither with the production, neither with the work. It has everything to do with the fact that the person is a laborer. That means that God gifted the working class, the blue-collar workers, let's call them, the people on the production lines, those that are working, they have workers' compensation. Just because they're a worker, not because of the actual, it's not reward all because of the exertion. The mere fact that they are of the working class, they're signed up as a worker, they get paid. They're, they, they're entitled to certain entitlements. And one of the entitlements a worker gets that he's allowed to eat while he's working. That would mean that just for showing up, you're already entitled. It's, it doesn't do with what the work. It's the moment you put on your worker's uniform, okay, worker's clothing, and you're showing up to be the worker, you get entitled. Just like, for instance, Hashem gave poor people certain gifts. Hashem entitled the poor. Hashem gave the Levites certain gifts. Hashem gave the Kohanim certain gifts. Hashem gave the, the poor people certain gifts. It's not because they did anything. It's because of who they are. So the workers amongst the Jewish people, all the employees that are working, God gives them a right, the Torah, gives them a, a, a payment that during the work they get paid for that work that they, could, that they can eat uh, while they're eating. But again, But it's not because of their exertion, it's because of who they are as a worker. And I think it becomes, it's very clear if we just remember those three words. Is it the po'el? Is it the pa'ula? Or is it the nifal? Nifal means the production, what you produced. The gain that the owner gets from it. Pula means the fact that the worker is sweating away and he's working, he's laboring. Or, is it the po'el? Is it because of who you are that you're from the working class? You're entitled to a payment. Okay? So these are... Th- these are, are and we'll soon see that these three different approaches, Jerusalem, Talmud, Bavli, uh, and Rambam, it's not just an argument from where we learn it out, but it's it's actually characterizing the payment differently. What would make, what really would make a difference between, between the uh, between them, or what's the what's the the um, the Gemara has a question. The Gemara has a question later in the Daf Tzadik. What I shared with you was from Daf Pesach um, again the Talmud Bavli Daf Zion. Later in Daf Tzadik Bez the Gemara has such a question. The Gemara asks this food that the the nash the, let's call it the nashing that they're allowed to nash while they're eating. The Gemara asks is that something that is considered their money, their reward, or is it considered something that they're getting from God as a gift? Is it considered their earning? such a question. They asked the question in the yeshiva. Is it considered the person's re- They've earned it. Is it part of their earnings? Or is it a gift that Hashem is giving them? And the Gemara says, "What's the nafgimina?" Huh? Again, the Gemara is wondering, "What's the difference?" It's just a hypothetical question. The Gemara says, is very simple. What happens if they want, if they bring their wife and children with them, and, it's, and, and, and he does instead of eating it himself, he's not going to take more. Okay, Torah totally didn't give him more, but instead of eating it himself, he says, "Give it to my wife and the children." They're all hanging around him. He's working, and then he's giving it to them. So we say like this: If it's his, what he earns because of his work, it's his. So he has a right to give them to his wife or his children. He brought his little boy with him. He has a right to give it to him. If we're saying that it's nothing to do with earning, you don't earn it. It's a special gift that Hashem gives the worker. Hashem only gave it to the worker. Hashem didn't give it to the worker's children. So if he's not eating it, it's still not his. It's never his. He's, the Torah is giving him permission to eat. He can't give it to his, his wife. He can't give it to the kids. This, his payment he can give to whoever, he, he spend his money on his wife and his children, that's no problem. But his, 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 um, the actual food as he's getting, that's what the Gemara says is the difference. Now, let's take a look at the three different possibilities that we discussed earlier. Why, what's the essence, what's the reasoning in the payment? Why the, why, which we said it's possible. What, what, how do we understand being paid over here? If we understand the payment as being, if we understand the payment, as we said earlier, as related to what they produced, production, what they produced, that there's two types of payment for your production. One that you get paid in the end, and then you get an extra payment for what you're producing while you're producing it that you can eat. Then it makes a lot of sense to say that what? That this is considered regular earnings. And if it's regular earnings, it means it's your earnings. You own it. And then you can give it to your wife or children or so on and so forth. It's yours. If we're going to say on the other extreme that what? That it's not because of what you're producing and it's not even because of your labor. It's a gift that God... That it's, it's, a, it's a right. Let's put it this way. It's a right that's given to the working class because you're a laborer, just because you're a worker, and, and, and they have this right that's given to them, then, obviously, it's not considered a payment. It's what? It's a gift that God has given, just like God gave gifts, as like I said earlier, Hashem gave gifts to the poor, Hashem gifted the workers with a special gift that while they're working, they have a right to eat from the grains or the, or the things. So we understand that if we learn in one way, one way that we're learning that it's it's for the production, it's definitely considered earnings. If we're saying it's because of who you are as a worker, that's considered definitely a gift from God. However, if we say it's because of the actual exertion, the labor, the labor itself, that you're laboring, then we can look at it both ways. Then we can say like this, Either we can say that um, it's considered an earning, reward. You've earned it. And how do you earn it? Two things. Your payment that the guy is paying you, the payment that the guy is going to give me, the check at the end of the day, my paycheck is coming for the production. Not for my labor. That's coming for my production. Now in addition to my production, I get... Compensated for the actual labor itself, unrelated to what I produce, the actual work and exertion. And what's my earning for my work, or my exertion, my earnings for that, is that I can eat while I'm doing it. That's one way of looking at it. Or we can say, that what? You're getting paid for your labor that you're paying, but it's not considered an earning. It's not that the the owner owes it to you, doesn't owe it to you for because he only has to pay you for what you produce not for your work you, of course you need to exert in order to produce that's your problem if you can produce without working if you can you know snap your fingers and get the work show up to work and sit down on the side and just get angels to come and do it for you like it says over there in, in Ish Chassid that we say Matzah Shabbos. this person had to build the whole palace and Eliyahu Hanavi came whatever and then all the angels came and they Ish Chassid Haya and they built the palace and everything was great so if you can get the, the, someone, the angels, to come and do it for you, and the job is done, the guy has to pay you. The paycheck still has to be paid, even if you didn't work. The fact that you have to work for this guy, it's not his problem. That means he's not out, and it's not considered an earning, the labor. It's a technical thing. Oh, God, the there, gives you a gift for the work that you've worked, for the labor. Because you're working, it's not because you are a worker. It's not because Hashem is compensating the worker, the working class. Hashem is compensating laborer for the labor, but it's Hashem giving it to you. So again, in this case, if we're saying, then it can go two ways. Okay. So now we we'll, now let's take a look at the three, at the Yerushalmi, at the Bavli, and at the Ramba and see which way, which path each one is taking. The Yerushalmi that says we derive it from what it says in the in Jerusalem Talmud, where it says we derive it from what it says in the end of the pasuk that when you're collecting, when you're taking it, um, don't put it into your into your into your vessels, into your containers. We learn out from here that we're talking in a time. What does the Jerusalem Talmud say? It's, it's at the time that you're putting into his vessels, you shouldn't take into your own vessels, but you're allowed to eat. So from the Jerusalem Talmud, it, it implies, it's we're dealing with the actual work and the actual gain that you're giving for the guy. You're putting it into his vessels. You're putting it into his vessels, you could put it into his vessels, you're allowed to eat, don't put it into your own vessel, but you're allowed to eat. So we're talking at the time that you're being productive. So from the Jerusalem Talmud, it implies that the that that the the nature of this gift, the nature of the gift is because of what we call the nifal. The nifal means because of the production, what you've produced. On the production line, you've produced something, you're putting it into his fields. You're raising a sickle over his things, you're cutting down his wheat. He's getting cut wheat. He's getting cut grain. So it would imply that that's the root of this mitzvah. The Babylonian Talmud, which the Babylonian Talmud derives it from the mitzvah, where we compare it to the wages that are given to, to a person, who's you have to pay them on the day. So here's an interesting thing. The mitzvah of payment, I said earlier, why does a person pay wages? You pay wages because of what you gained. That's your main reason why you pay a wage Is because you gained You came to work for me I gained, I have to pay Not because you labored because I. Because. But This added mitzvah That you have to pay the worker On the very day that he worked And you can't wait till next week Or even two days from now You have to pay him on that very day Over there the Torah says a reason What's the reason? The Torah says because the worker worked so hard for you that sometimes he even risked his life for you. Why? Because he climbed up on a high tree while he was picking or whatever and he, and God forbid, he could have fallen down. And he risked so much, he's putting... And therefore... Why? Because he's hoping for the payment. He's doing it because he needs the money. And therefore you're not allowed to delay his payment. So particularly regarding paying the person on time, The Torah wants you to step out of your gain and is thinking about the fact, thinking about the laborer's labor. He's hanging from a tree. He's working day and night. He's being scorched by the sun. His labor, his effort that he's putting in. You see that emphasized in that pasuk. Very strongly, not the nifal, but the pa'ula. The pa'ula, what he's doing, how much he risked in doing it, how difficult it was for him, how hard it was, the exertion that he exerted himself. If so, if that's the place from where we learn out that over here in our case also we're talking about a worker, an employee, seems to be that according to the Babylonian Talmud, the nature of paying, of the payment, the nashing payment that he can gnash while he's working is related to his efforts, his labor that he or she is laboring in the field. And that is why, remember we said, that if it's related to the labor itself, not the laborer and not to the production, but to the labor itself, remember we said it can, be, it, can be that it can be either a gift from God or it can be considered an earning. Remember we said it can go either way. Oh, that's why the Babylonian Talmud is the one that asks that question. Is it a gift from Hashem, or is it something that is considered his own earnings? Because remember, we said that only from that, in that context, can, it either, can we see it as a gift from God or a payment from the worker, from the, from the employer, an earning that he earned. But again, it's only for looking at it that it's for the labor itself. Rambam and Rashi, as we just said before, that say, from where do we deride it? From what it says in the beginning of the passage That you come You come into the other guy's field And immediately we know we must be talking about a worker Because if you're not a worker Rambam says what are you doing in someone else's field Ah, So that has nothing to do with what you produced It has nothing to do even because the work that you've done It's from the very fact that you showed up to work in other words, if you're not wearing a plumber's uh, 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 thing, what are you doing in someone else's kitchen under the uh, under the under the sink? What are you doing there? It's in my place. It's the fact that I'm showing I'm a worker. I'm here. It's not that the labor you didn't even before you started working. It's not that you're. It's 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 the fact of who you are. You are a worker. That hap- That's why As soon as you walk in before the production, before you even lifted your finger to start working, the fact that you rang the bell, I am here as what? As a worker, as an employee for you. So that means they see the compensation as a God-given compensation for the working class. Just like Hashem gave compensation to the poor people or a form of money to the... It's, it's 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 a right that is given for the for the for the employee. Okay. Once we have this these these fundamentals, now we'll understand it in its in its greater meaning, in its greater meaning. Um, Hashem, and gave us mitzvahs and all the mitzvahs that He gives us apply to Him as well. God obeys the Torah, as the pasuk says, Magid of LeYakov. We say it every day in davening. God relates His words, His things to His to Yaakov, to Jacob, (laughs) Chukav u'Mishpatav, His statutes and His uh, uh, rules uh, that apply to him. He shares with Israel. He Israel, He gives it to the Jewish people. That means that Hashem keeps the Torah and Hashem keeps the obligations that He he, he, that He obligates us by. So obviously, who are the workers? So we're here in this world, we're hired in Hashem's vineyard, we're hired in Hashem's granary, and we're here to do work. And we know that for the work that we do, Hashem pays. We know one of the one of the principles in Jewish faith is that we know we will get paid for everything we've done. There is the concept of schar v'onesh, reward and punishment, and reward means payment. But we also know that the payment is due after the work is over. That's why the sages tell us, Aschar ha- a- 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 Mitzvah, Baha'i al the rewards for Mitzvah, for Torah Torah study and Mitzvah, we don't receive in this current world. We receive it in the next world because the work day is not over until. We had a whole class on that. How does God delay it till later? Doesn't He have to pay right away? Uh, we once, on Pasha's Kiset, say, a couple of years ago, we had a whole discussion on that. But today we're learning about something else. Today we're learning not about that payment. That's payment, that's your wages. Hashem is going to give us wages. But there's another thing, and that is the nashing that we're allowed to nash while we're getting, while we're doing the work. And that means that God has to provide everything that we need. That's the nashing that we do while we're doing the work. It's not good enough for Hashem to say, well, I'll give you two in the end. A worker has to be able to feed from the work that he's doing. Now, what's the work we're doing? We're working with the materials of this world, so we need to have some of those materials. During the time that we're doing the work, we need to have some of that material. So this is really referring to, to a concept that the Rambam describes in Hilchus Tshuva, where Rambam describes that all the blessings that are discussed in the Torah, which speak about material wealth, and blessings, like most, most common is parshas Kosai. And parshas Kosai you have right in the beginning of parshas of, of, of Kosai, if you will go on my statues, I will give you rain in the, the right time, and you'll have blessings and blessings and blessings. Another place where we have those blessings was a few, years ago, a few weeks ago, parshas ekev. If tishma in. If you as a, as a result of you listening to the mitzvahs, I will give so, 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 all the, all the, all the material blessings. So Ramam is very bothered by that because ramam was a big philosopher and a thinker and ramam was very unsatisfied that serving god is going to eventually result in, a, in, in in having uh in having physical comforts and physical blessings material things ramam felt that, that that's very cheap that's not that's not a reward the ramam definitely was not looking forward for just being wealthy for that right the idea of reward, according to Rambam, is spiritual reward, and that is to experience God, to know God, to experience Hashem. That's the ultimate pleasure of pleasures. So Rambam describes the rewards for mitzvahs is not in not in this world, not where our souls are occupying bodies. The reward for our, our mitzvahs is when the soul detaches from the body and it goes into a spiritual plane, as we know, called Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden or Paradise. And in those places, in, in the afterlife, the soul experiences exhilarating pleasure that goes on and on and on. And Rambam says, I can't explain that to you. We can't think, people that are a flesh of blood, people that are inhabiting physical bodies can't conceive this type of a pleasure. We have no clue, but the Rambam says, one thing I can tell you, it's worth dying for. That's it. That's what we do. We die for it. We leave this world and we go into that endless experience of pleasure. So the Ramam, once the Rambam establishes that in, in the laws of tshuva, Ramam has a whole chapter on that. Once the Rambam, but the then is bothered, but I don't understand. So how come the Torah seems to be... The, if you look in Chumash, you're not going to find one expression of spiritual reward to the soul. How come there is nothing about that all the reward that God promises is only physical material rewards rains and affluence and a lot of sh- cattle and your animals will have so many sheep and your grains will be plenty and the food will be and you'll, so, and your enemies will be defeated and you will so much all there is material blessings there is not a word not a mention not even one mention of spiritual things. So Ramam therefore goes on to explain Hold on That we need to understand What the root Of the material blessing is We need to appreciate The meaning of the physical blessings The material physical blessings The Rammam says Is not meant as wages It's not payment All the material blessings That Hashem gives us Is meant only to make life burdensome. The opposite, burdenless. To make life burdenless. And once you have no burdens or headacheless, whatever, problemless. So when you have no problems, you have no headaches, and you have no anxiety and stress in your life, what is that going to give you? That is going to give you the opportunity to do the things that are necessary to acquire the, ple- the world to come. The world to come one can only access through Torah and mitzvahs. A whole lot of mitzvahs and a whole lot of Torah brings a person into the spiritual bliss. That's the way it is. There's no other way to get to it without Torah, without mitzvahs. Problem is that our lives are so because we need to make a living and physical, material necessities that we need are so hard to, to, to achieve and to get, so we spend, people spend 90% of their lives pursuing material matters, just making a living, just putting, just being a, a, putting bread and butter for their, for their children, for their families. So how much time do they have already to study Torah and do mitzvahs? Very little time. And that's a problem. So Ramam says, God tells us that if he sees that we are taking this mission seriously and we're trying to do the best we can, Hashem says, I'm going to take away all the things that burden you and bother you so I'll give you free time. And you'll have free time, you'll be able to study Torah and do mitzvah so you'll be able to come to the world to come. So what do you see from here? Ramam is clearly saying that all the material blessings of what we call in the general, we refer to it as children, health and sustenance and good life and everything that we need. All these blessings that we have in this world are not, they're not meant as wages, but they are meant to make the work easier, to assist us in the work. Well, that's the whole idea of this, this mitzvah. When you're coming into your friend's vine, fellow's vineyard or to his field, Or to his granary, in order to enhance his work, that he should be, he should have energy to work. He should feel he should be able to do. He shouldn't be thinking about food or distracted. He's allowed to eat while he's doing it. So these are just assistants in the work that we're doing. So obviously, this mitzvah now becomes super, super, super crucial and super important. It's good I decided to give the share on this because this is really very, very important to all of our lives. We really need to know about this. We really need to know what kind of bill we can give the Ebershter every day before we go to sleep at night. And say, hey, come on. Right? Because this this, this is crucial. This is everything, all the material blessings that we get in this world is all related to this mitzvah. While you are in the granary, while you are in the vineyard doing the work, you need to be sustained comfortably so that you should be taken care of. Okay? So now, we'll also understand an amazing thing. Remember, I began the shir asking the question, how come the Torah begins by talking about a vineyard, and then it speaks about a granary We asked, really, it should have worked the opposite. You should have started with working in someone's grain, grain fields, because that's nutrition that you need, that's grains, it's something you need to live, and a vineyard is already pleasure food. The fact that you're allowed to have pleasure food is an extra. So he asks, should, you should have started with something less and gone to the higher. Instead, the Pusik starts with the, the vineyard and then goes on to working in the grain. But based if, we're ta- if, if this mitzvah is really in its essence referring to God and the Jewish people, we'll understand why the Torah says it in that order. Because in our relationship with God, it makes more sense that we should be allowed to eat in the vineyard Then we should be allowed to eat in the granary. Why? What's the difference between working in God's vineyard and working in God's granary? The difference is the two, it's not talking about two different types of work, it's talking about two different types of workers our vineyard workers and our granary workers, and that depends on our level of maturity. Depends on the level of maturity as follows. The difference between, uh, uh, as we said earlier, what's the grain and and and, um, and the, vine, the vine, the vine, the vineyard, is that grain is a staple of a human diet. You need, this is, these are your basic carbs that you need to live. Uh, like you say, the basic need of a person is bread and water. Fine. Um, uh, grapes is already like the fruits. In general fruits of the trees are considered delights, delightful things, makes life... Beautiful if we can eat strawberries once in a while. That enhances, you don't need it. You can live a normal life without this, but this is just... So in terms of a person's service, a person can be living his life in service to God and feel like they're in a granary, or working their life during their entire life and serving Hashem and Torah and Mitzvah and feel that they're in a vineyard. What does that mean? Is that you can work because you feel you have a sense of duty and you have no choice. Judaism is considered a burden. but What can you do? God is God and these are the mitzvahs I have to do. I have to do them because I have no choice. So I'm doing. And then what do I do? Generally, when a person is doing because he feels a burden, he or she feels a burden, then what are you doing? Just usually, just to fulfill your obligation. Whatever you're obligated to do, you do or not. You don't go beyond the letter of the law. Because you're not excited about doing it. You don't have a pleasure in a the delight. Then there's another type of a Jew. A person that appreciates the great honor. The great... That you've literally won the lottery. That from the 8 billion people on the planet, you're selected to be one of those few people that can serve Hashem not with 7 mitzvahs, but with 613 commandments maybe of the inner circle of those that are making all the difference and those that are bringing the greatest satisfaction to God, those that are producing the greatest production and making this world into a home for Hashem. You're doing mitzvahs and these mitzvahs are bringing God unbelievable satisfaction and pleasure. You could not have lucked out there's no, nothing in the world that can compare with how fortunate am I that I merited this chus to be a Jew and to have these mitzvahs. And then I do the mitzvahs joyfully, full of pleasure, full of energy. And then I seek to go far beyond the expectations. I try to do a mitzvah, but not just do the mitzvah. Do the mitzvah with all the hidurim, meaning to do the mitzvah with every possible beautifying element to make the mitzvah in the most beautiful way possible. That's another. That's being meaning the attitude of being in a vineyard, serving God, and it's a delight. It's a pleasure. So we can understand like this: for those peoples who service Tashem as Jews, is a vineyard, is an experience of working as a as a vineyard worker, working in a winery. For those people that are working in the winery, and producing the wines, and full of pleasure and delight, we can understand that these people, Hashem will try to make it as comfortable as possible during their service. Because they're so delighted to be a a Jew and to be involved in this project. So Hashem will enhance their service and make it easy for them. Like it actually says so in Rambam. When the Rambam talks about uh, the the, the great reward, uh, the Rambam tries to explain the physical rewards that we have. Um, the Ramam says, hold on. Um, again, this is in, in, in chapter nine, Halacha Aleph, Rammam says, Torah. God gave us a Torah. And the Torah is a tree of life. boy. and anybody that does everything that's written in this Torah, Daya and he knows the Torah thoroughly and he know, and learns it and knows it, merits the world to come. According to the greatness of his deeds, and the greatness of his wisdom, he merits to the next world. The Torah promises us, that if we will do it, hear these next words, that if we will do it. We will do it happily, joyfully, with a gladdened soul. Then we will do it. And then we will learn Torah all the time. So then, what? Then Hashem is going to remove from us. He will assist us because he sees our great attitude and how much we're trying to do the best we can. He's going to get involved. But if a person is not working in a winery, he's working in he or she is working in a granary. You're showing up to work just to cut, to, to, to lift that sickle and cut the grain, meaning you see this as a basic obligation without any sense of good fortune, without any joy. And you're doing only as much as you need to do, just that you can say, Oh, I've done my job. I'm good. I'm fine. God can't have any complaints to me, and so on and so forth. Okay. So in that type of attitude of service, is Hashem also required to enhance the person's life with all kinds of goodies during, during the work time that you can nash from all the benefits of this world? Maybe not. That's why the Torah is telling you that no, Hashem will, as long as we're doing our work, whether we're doing it with joy, or whether we're doing it as a sense of obligation, that's the chiddush, even in the granary, Hashem will also, as long as we're doing, Hashem will provide. Rashi says, why? So Rashi says, afzu when it comes to the second case, Rashi uses the word, they see how you see, see these deep, deep secrets in Rashi. Rashi says, when it comes to the granary, Rashi says these words, medaber. This too is speaking about a worker. Afzu, this is also speaking what's the chiddish afzu that even in this kind of a worker even someone who's, who's, who's who, who, who whose Yiddishkeit is difficult and hard that that person as well will merit this this special mitzvah of Hashem to give us what we need so that we can live our lives comfortably and do the work but why? why, why does the person deserve in addition to the wages they get everything they need while they're working. So Rashi is hinting it to by saying that this person, because this person is also a laborer. And what does that mean? So that will take us back to what we said before, that Rashi and Rambam learn you're entitled to this gift just because of who you are, that you are a laborer. To understand what that means, So let's see how the three applications that we have above, remember we said there's three ways of looking at this reward, apply to Hashem's relationship with us. Remember we said, one way is that it is reward for what we have produced. The other one is, it is for the exertion that we exert, for the labor that we're putting in. And the third one is for who we are, a laborer. And we're going to see that the deepest element is being a laborer. and Let's understand what that means. So here the Rebbe says like this, I mean, what I'm telling Shirin to you is an amazing sicher from the Rebbe. See, in Tzadikim you should know that when they want to bring blessings to the Jewish people and avert bad decrees, negative decrees, and bring the biggest blessings to the world, they couch it in the Torah that they teach. Why? Because the mayor of Premishlan, one of the great Hasidic rabbis, used to always do it. He used to say the like sometimes the most outlandish pirushim in the chumash, and like find different pirushim, like even though it doesn't seem to make any sense there, he would like squeeze it through. So they asked him, like, "Come on, that's not what the pasuk is saying. Why are you pushing? It? If you want to give the Jewish, you want to give a bracha, give a bracha." So he says because it's a halacha. The halacha says that if you when a when a child sees his father that is acting maybe not so halachically, so a child is not allowed to tell his father disrespectfully you're doing something wrong. What you're allowed to say is you know oh, you're have you to quote the halacha. You can't say you did it wrong, but you can say you know it says in Shulchan Aruch so, and so. So R' Pramishlan said that when the Abishta needs a reminder that there are certain halachas that he has to be held accountable to, the, the tzaddik that's what the tzaddik does. He just tells this is he says this is what it says in the Chumash. So this is this is this is what the tzaddik can do. So in this talk, the Rebbe gives the Abish there such obligations. It's unbelievable, and you see an interesting thing that by the way, that um, the Messianic period before erev of mashiach's coming like is, is already is here in the world. And it's interesting, from 1950, around Tavshin Yur, that's when the Rebbe became Rebbe, it became very good for the Jewish people. Begashmias. It was too late, it was very hard. Jews who were keeping Torah mitzvahs had material very hard. Since, since that time, it became like mysteriously, no more the old type of hardships that they used to be. And I guess whenever the Ebristen needed an enhancement, uh, stood, stood up the tzaddik and gave, like, direction. So here he says there are three three levels in Hashem taking care of us. What are the three three levels in Hashem taking care of the Jewish people? Not, again, we're talking about only one aspect. We're not talking about reward. Reward is reward. We're talking about giving us what we need while we're working so we should be able to do the work correctly. There are three levels in that. Level number one is called um, is is basically basics. Basic means that God can't have us starve to death. So we need as Yaakov Avinu says to Hashem. We fought, but when Yaakov went to uh, Lavan's house, what did Yaakov make a condition with God? If Hashem, if you will give me lechem lechol ubeget beged give me give me give me food to eat, give me clothing to wear and to add a third thing it's interesting The Hashem asked how come Yaakov didn't say a, a house to live in shelter that's basically you, you can't be homeless you need clothing and you need food but in food itself basic bread, bread and water that's the basics so if we say that Hashem has to take care of the Jewish people while we're working so there is the basic obligation and that is to give us what we need to survive if 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 and we're not surviving, then we can't serve Him. That's for sure. Number one. Then there's a notch higher than that. What's the notch higher than just basics? The notch one level up is is what we call it. That's one first. First is 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 is, is you know is basic. This is already a plus. And what's the plus? The plus is that two things. Number one, that Hashem provides for us other things that we need, besides, for example, there shouldn't be any illness. A person is, if there's chas v'shalem, there's, a, there's illness in the family, and so on and so forth, it's very disturbing. If there is war happening all around us, and we have a tzatumulta kap, because there is war, we have a head, we have a confused mind. So even if we have, we're not starving to death, chas v'shalem. We have our basic needs, we can live. But if there is war or there is hunger or there is things like that. So there needs to be peace and tranquility, and there needs to be that everybody's healthy. And so these are it's what we call Hashem adds the perks. There's more things to be added. But there's another part to the plus. The plus also means that he provides it not just naturally, but also supernaturally. That if miracles are needed. To provide, to provide us with comfort so that we should be able to work without any, any headaches, miracles will also happen. So everybody can attest, especially in our days, when miracles are happening much more than ever in history. We can all attest in our lives there are times that you feel like Hashem is working with you very naturally. I definitely see it in my life. Times when you kind of feel like you're stuck in like this this, this realm of like you have to like really go through all the natural means in order to to, to to accomplish something. And then there are times you see like the like 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 these waves of miracles come rolling in. And this happened, that happened, you happened to be didn't expect it. and bang
1: bang bang. And usually these like
0: these, these like I mean if we, if we merit we have like a little a little a little um, a little uh, uh, a unit of time in which it's like like not just one miracle happens, many miracles happen. And it's beautiful when that happens. That's stage number two. Again, it's not just basic food and, 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 and clothing. It's also other things that we need. And he provides, and even if it's, it's not just within, within natural means, even, even supernatural things. That second, that's second, the, that's the second stage. And then there is the third level. What's the third level? The third level is what the Rambam describes as going to be after Mashiach comes. That's something that we haven't seen yet. It's only going to be after Mashiach comes. By the way, according to the Rambam, this is just another point and this is important, according to the Rambam, the entire Messianic era and all the blessings that are going to be during the days of Mashiach are all not yet reward. According to the Rambam, the Mashiach era is the ultimate of what we had discussed earlier. What did we discuss earlier? That in order that we should be able to serve Hashem without any Problems. If we don't have any headaches at all, and everything is taken care of, and we're able to serve, then we are able to do mitzvahs. The Rambam says the main observance of mitzvahs, according to the Rambam, is going to be after Mashiach comes, because then Hashem is going to remove all the obstacles that possible, any kind of problem, and the world is going to be in an in an unbelievable state of affluence and of peace and of tranquility. It will be the ultimate worrisome existence. And then we're going to be able to study Torah without any interference and be able to do mitzvahs wholeheartedly because there won't be any, any distraction. And then as a result of the mitzvahs that we're going to do after Mashiach comes in that carefree time, we're going to merit, according to Rambam, the next stage, which according to Rambam, is the souls go away from bodies. According to the Rambam, the souls will leave bodies, go to Gan go, go to then, and that will be the final stage. But we don't accept... By the way, that's not the accepted halacha. All the mikubalim argue with the Rambam. And the accepted is that we will stay down here forever. Okay, But yet, even according to that, Mashiach's time is this, is, is, could be like the Rambam. And that is a total carefree existence that we can do mitzvahs so that we should come to the next phase which is going to be down here in bodies. Remember according to the Ramban and according to all the mystics we're going to stay down here and bodies forever and ever but in a state already that's not considered any more work of Hashem. It's not serving God, just reward. That's the final stage. Fine. So what's the... Th- but let's go back. What's the third level of Hashem fulfilling this mitzvah that you're coming into the vineyard and that He has to get, allow you to nash and to eat? Third level is the way that's going to be done when Moshiach comes. Why is that higher than the second level? What did we say before? Second level also means that Hashem is going to take away all interferences and He's going to do it even miraculously. So what's so great about the third level? The third level is that this is going to impact the entire world, not just an individual. And everybody understands that when this impacts the entire world and not just an individual, it impacts the individual also to a tremendous degree. Because if I'm sitting and I have no problems but there's problems all over me, I'm still burdened by that problem. The problems of others are going to bother us no matter what. If the entire world is in a state of peace and tranquility and affluence and there's no needy human being in all of the world. There's enough food to feed everybody. There's enough... There's, there's, there's joy and there's happiness and no one is jealous and there's no envy and there's no hatred and there's no competition. And the world is living in such peace and utopian harmony we can understand that the entire human race will be elevated, especially the Jewish people, as Rambam says, we're not going to have any distractions, all of the world is going to be occupied with one thing, to know Hashem. So obviously we understand that that is going to be the final stage of Hashem assisting us in our observance of, of them. That's why the Rambam, it's interesting. After the Rambam describes that if we Learn Torah and do mitzvahs and do our part. Hashem is going to take away all of our problems to allow us to dedicate ourselves to Yiddishkeit. The Rambam continues, and the Ramam says, and that's the reason why all the chachamim, all the wise men, and all the great people, all aspire to Mashiach. Everybody was waiting, because we were waiting for the time that we shouldn't have any problems. Hold it, Rambam just described that at the time that we're serving Hashem, we're going to have those blessings already. And yet the Rambam says that everybody's waiting for Mashiach. is a sign that as much as that could be fulfilled in our days, it's not compared to the way it's going to be when Mashiach comes. That's going to be its ultimate fulfillment of this mitzvah. You hear what's going on? This is awesome. The Rebbe is saying that the entire Messianic age, with all the bracha, it's all the fulfillment of this mitzvah. It's the fulfillment of the mitzvah that an employee has to, I'm sorry, an employer has to assist his employee to be able to do the work without a headache. That he can eat and have what he needs. So that's the ultimate fulfillment of it. Now, these three stages of the Ebershter providing for us while we're doing the work is dependent on what? What is it dependent on? Well, it's dependent on our service. Our level of service. So let's go back to what we said. Remember I spoke before about there's someone in a vineyard and there's someone in the, the, the guy who's working. If our service to Hashem is bare minimum, that means we feel like this is a burden and we just want to execute and fulfill our obligation and everything. I've given my miser. I've done my tenth. I've I can't have any complaints to me. I set time for Torah study every day. I go daven three times a day in shul. I, you know, take care of my children's tuitions, pay my bills, do my duties, fine, and I'm done. And I have my own life that I'm busy with, but I feel that I give God what what, what he's demanding of me. All right, if that's the case, then the way Hashem reciprocates into that kind of an attitude is, You know what, I'm going to give you, because the mitzvah applies even to someone who is in a granary, as we spoke earlier. But, what is the reward? What kind of participation is it then? It's bare minimum. Hashem will give the person to participate in this physical world with bare minimum blessing. What you need. Let's understand how that fits with the three. Because then, it's coming to us Because of what we're producing. What do we have to produce? We have to produce. What do we say? There's three ways. Either what we produce. Or because we're exerting ourselves. Or because of who we are. That's called because of our production. What do we produce? Torah and Mitzvahs. As long as we produced the Torah and the Mitzvahs. He has to give us. But what is he giving you? It's based on what you've produced. And what have you produced? With finite... It's finite production. It gets a finite response, as we said. So you get what you need. God will is not going to go beyond nature, because you're not going beyond nature. Everything is kind of fixed within a limit. If a person's service to Hashem is on a higher level, as we spoke earlier, you're coming in a vineyard of your friend. That means it's pleasurable. It's delightful. And as a result of that, you're pushing yourself and going beyond the letter of the law. And you're doing mitzvahs with everything you've got with all of your passion and you're going out of your nature and even when you need to only do a little bit you go way past that so then what does that do from Hashem's reward we said earlier Hashem will also break nature for this person provide for him his necessities to be able to and reward him give him the reward today not just after Mashiach comes in making life easy for this individual even if God has to tweak nature and provide miracles for this individual you will get that as well and again, that's similar to what we spoke earlier. It's not because of what you've produced, but it's because of the labor that you're putting in. Here is the labor you're putting in. I'm paying you for, you're going beyond. You're, you're exerting yourself. You're pushing so hard. You're, going, you're doing more than you need to do. That's that second stage. But then there is the third element. This is very special. What's the third element? According to both of these, in both of these scenarios, the gosh, the, the physical blessings that we're getting in this world is kind of to satisfy us. You're working hard, so in order, I wanna make it easier for you. Either I'm making it easier by providing you with basics, or I'm making it easier for you by providing you with everything you need, even if I, but it's still for us, it's for you. But then there is something deeper. And this is so special. And that is, no, no, no. God is not giving it to you for you. You need to have all these Gashmi blessings, all these material blessings. It's needed, not, it's not given to you as a reward or as... It's necessary for the work itself. Now what do I mean for the work itself? In order for a Jew's work what you are working should be on the highest level possible. If I have even the slightest bit of distraction in my head because I'm worried about this, I'll give you a simple example. How many of us could daven, a full davening from Matovu until Aleinu without any, any distracting thoughts? Who can do that? most of the thoughts is oh i got to call him i got to he call I this i have this i have to take care of that i have to take care of that I this, this 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 all these so our service is not a complete service we're we're dominating but we're not 100% there you can't give your 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 you can't give your Torah study your 100% of your brain because your brain is scattered In order for the service itself to be the utmost, purest, holiest, godliest kind of service, the avodas Hashem of the Jew requires a Jew that doesn't have, a person, a human being that, that is completely worryless. Obviously, I'm not saying that God doesn't have tremendous pleasure from the struggle. There's a whole share that we can give, total opposite of what I'm saying right now. That the whole meaning and value of all your services only when you have a million headaches and all kinds of distractions and only a little bit—that's a galus share. But we're learning now a Mashiach share. So we're finished with that already. We've done that. Two thousand years of that. We should never ever give a share about that again. Done. Finished. We're now marching forward. We're 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 we're, we're moving into a time when when Hashem wants us to serve Him as we spoke two weeks ago out of wealth but without any distractions without any headaches without any concern but it's not about us it's about the service itself the quality of the service the highest type of mitzvah is when mitzvahs are going to be done without any without without from a human being who's able to give it all his mind and all his heart ah if the feeding us of the material things is part of the mitzvah not part it's not reward to us It's part of the known work. The Rebbe says that only is given to us if our identity of who we are, when do we get that? That's the question. When do we merit that? We merit that when our identity is our service. In other words, when the nature of who I am is I am a laborer for God, that's my identity then that means I and the service are one. Because that, that's who I am. I'm all about this. Then Hashem provides all the material blessings for the person because it, the, the entire human being is a piece of service. And what do I mean by that? The sages say a very interesting thing. I was created to serve my creator. It's, very, it's, it's possible for a Jew to be a good Jew and to be a Shulchan Jew. A Shulchan means someone who complies with all the mitzvahs of the Torah, but yet your identity is, I am a human being, I have a life, I have a family, I have children, I have my life, I have my existence. I have my duties to God, I want to execute my duties, but my business of existing is not in existence for Him, my business of existence is for myself. I feel that by me serving Hashem, that will enhance my existence tremendously. And then that can be in two levels. It can be in a level that, I've, that I'm, giving it, I'm giving only, I, I do only what he expects of me, or it can be that I'm giving him even more than expected. But still, I have an existence that's not my service. Deeper than that, is when I recognize and I understand and when I appreciate that my beingness my existence is service of Hashem. Other than serving, other, other than serving Hashem, there is no beingness to me. There's nothing to my existence. I have no life. It's only this. Ah, if your your existence is your service, all the good and all the wealth is not enough. Hashem provides and provides because the more He provides, the richer the more beautiful, the more delightful, the purer, the holier, the service will be. When is that going to be that way? When are we all going to live that way? When Mashiach comes. Because why does the Rambam say about when Mashiach will come? Hear these words of Rambam. Rambam says in the days of Mashiach, Mankind will not have any other business other than knowing God. You know what that means? Mankind. That means no one will have an identity other than knowing Hashem and serving Him. That's the Messianic age. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for to be able to realize who we are as true, as true humans, the servants of Hashem, and that's our business. And of course, and the Ramam says, And therefore, in that time, there's going to be an abundance Because there's no end to what will be given so that the service should be able to be the highest level of service. That's the meaning of the third approach. What did we say? It's not because of what you produced. You as being you and you produced. It's not because of your labor, but it's because of who you are. You are a worker. This is your identity. If this is your identity, then Hashem gives you a gift that He takes care of all your needs. But to what degree does He take care of all your needs on the level of Moshiach? Infinite goodness. And infinite delight. That's what Rashi is hinting to. And Rashi says that even by a guy who is coming in as a kamas raya, even by a person who is working in the granary, that means that a person who is still on a level that he looks at Yiddishkeit as a burden... Since he too is a worker, he too is a laborer. Ultimately, that's the truth of all of us. Whether we're conscious of it, it's what Rashi's saying. Whether we're conscious of it or we're not conscious of it, it might be that I'm looking that in my own Judaism, I'm looking at myself as difficult. Not only I just want to, I, I, I just want to get do my do my duties and leave me alone. Even that Jew, in essence, he too is a poel. Rashi says he too is a laborer. Because ultimately every Jew Our being Who we really are Is servants of Hashem. Okay Now to conclude And I'm just going to conclude literally with two more minutes To conclude all of this and say To take this one step deeper Is that the reward that we're talking about over here That we get while we're eating While we're working That we can eat We're not talking On a little bit more of a refined level, we're not talking about the physical, material things that we get. We're not talking about that I have comforts in my life and so on. But we're talking about another kind of a reward. And that is the pleasure that we get from the service itself. But it's our pleasure. And let me explain that. When you are coming into your fellow's vineyard means... It is Hashem's vineyard. And we know that what? That we're in Hashem's vineyard. We're providing God with the greatest of pleasure. Mitzvahs are Hashem's sensation. Every mitzvah you do creates an infinite sensation and delight by God. That's just the way it is. Now, there's two ways. there is two ways. There is the idea that it's Hashem's pleasure, and fine. But then there is, the, and, and really we're supposed to do it. Why are we doing mitzvahs? Why are we doing mitzvahs? To give Him pleasure. That's the ultimate. But here's the thing: Can you join in that pleasure? What's the? Uh, let me explain. Whose vineyard is it? Uh, let me explain this a little better. Whose vineyard? It's Hashem's vineyard. If Hashem's vineyard means it's His grapes, His grapes means the mitzvahs that you are doing is His grapes. He finds pleasure in them. Now the question is: Can you participate in that pleasure that God is having? I'm not talking about. You having your pleasure. Can you have pleasure from the fact that God has pleasure while you're doing the work? Ah, so we're talking about a whole different story over here. We're not just talking about, you know. We're not talking about
1: good food,
0: comforts, comfortable home to live in. We're talking about. Delighting in the divine delight. Hashem allows us to participate in His pleasure. And that itself is on two levels. A Jew is on a higher level who's serving Hashem as we spoke before with full of pleasure and all the delight is able to sense God's pleasure that Hashem is having in the mitzvah. And the person is not... is. So what does it mean? Do you have human pleasure? Or can you feel God's... Even that there's is two levels. There is like this. I imagine that what I am doing is giving Hashem's pleasure. And that's making me happy. Not only is that making me happy, it's giving me pleasure. But whose pleasure is that? It's a human pleasure. The fact that God has pleasure is giving me pleasure. But here we're talking about something else. The person rises to a point that the pleasure that Hashem has, he senses. See what we're saying over here? God's grapes, he's nibbling off Hashem's grapes. The pleasurable, the mitzvahs which are Hashem's pleasure, now you're participating in that pleasure itself. How do you see that you're actually experiencing Hashem's pleasure? Because the Apostle says, Don't put it into your kalim. Don't put it into your vessels. You know what it means, don't put it into your vessels? <laughs> God's pleasure is not vesselable You don't have vessels, we don't have vessels to experience His pleasure. He's infinite, He's ain't self. So the Apostle is saying, into your vessels, into your containers, don't put this, because this, we're dealing with a pleasure that is not Possible for any creature or being to ever experience. If that's the case, how are you eating it? That's the chidish of the pasuk. That even though we're talking about the pleasure of God that is not diluted. If it's diluted, then you can put it into your kalim, into your vessels. It's not diluted. It's the pleasure of Hashem as it truly is, yet the chalta, you can eat. Eat meaning that tzaddikim and a person who is devoted to God gets the gets Somehow, to pass through his neshama, the pleasure of Hashem Himself passes—not just passes in a manner that it's hovering over you. You can eat it. Eat it means it becomes part of your flesh. At the same time, that it's something that it's something that's not containable in your containers. El keliyachaloy titen, It's in your con- in your containers. It's not containable. Yet, in some impassable way, you're able to pleasure. To find pleasure in Hashem's pleasure, and that can become your pleasure. Those are for people that what, that are serving God with pleasure and delight. But then there are the other Jews. Let's go back, who are coming into their friend's granary, who to them Yiddishkeit is not one an exercise of pleasure, but it's an exercise of what of surrender. I'm surrendering to God as this awesome, mighty Master and King, and I'm surrendering. I'm I'm, I'm doing it out of duty. Oh, Kisava, you're coming. Become Masrayacha. Kama means standing grain. Now the word standing represents exaltedness, heights. Because if you're serving Hashem like a simple servant, out of a sense of God's Transcendence of Hashem's master, of Hashem's exaltedness, of Hashem's kingship, that's very high, that's exalted, that's called Kamas re'echo. that's the roimamus, that's the exaltation of God that is higher and higher and higher. So over here it doesn't say, over here it doesn't say, you will eat. Because this level of divine transcendence of God's exaltedness, it's not possible for us to be able to internalize it. We can't eat it. But the katavto melilois, you can still pick that, you, that transcend that sense of awe and greatness of God's true transcendence, you can pick them with the katavto, says you can grab it, melilois, biyadecho with your hands. That means that it that 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 pure divine transcendence actually enters into your avoda, into your service, and impacts your actions of your hands and your feet that you're doing. You can't, when you're dealing with the divine pleasure of mitzvahs, and we're dealing with tzaddikim who are serving with the attitude of this is delightful and this is pleasurable to God. That that in some mysterious way, we're able to draw that down to go through our system and even internalize it and even be able to eat it. But there is something very special with the simple service of a simple person whose service to Hashem is with a complete obeying, obedience, surrender, and a submission they are connecting to Hashem in a manner of exaltedness. Because it's exalted, you can't eat it. But, you could tap into that awe, that, and it's not human awe, it's Hashem's transcendence and greatness, and it's actually being grabbed, meaning, it's influencing your hands, that your actions that you are doing are not human actions, Rather, they are human actions driven and inspired with the true energy of the kamas rayecha, of Hashem's true transcendence. It's actually influencing your actions themselves. Are being It's, it's as if God Himself would be doing that service with the self-awareness of how great He is. That's being captured in your actions. And that's awesome. And this is what we're talking about the difference between these two mitzvahs. So, whatever it is, if we're dealing on a more, in a deeper, more inner world, or we're dealing with the, the, the Hashem's obligations to take care of us, either way, we are now holding in the time when we've completed all the work and we're ready all to enter into the stage when we recognize and and appreciate and understand that there's nothing else to our lives but to serve Him, Hashem on His part realizes that our existence will be so much more enhanced and His service will be so much greater when He will take care of us in the way that He promised He will take care of us when Mashiach will come. So if we can get that done today, why should we wait for tomorrow? So we all ask... And say, Tashem, we are ready and ready and ready now.